Greetings and salutations to everybody out there in podcast land. This is the Judo Chop Stewie Podcast, and I'm your host, Judo Dave Roman. I'm excited to be back behind the microphone once again to talk all things judo. I've got quite a list of topics that I'm going to discuss today. It's going to be a a variety type of thing. I'm not going to just stick to one thing because there's a lot of news going on and a lot of things that I want to cover. I've got some listener reaction. I'm going to talk about the upcoming Montreal Grand Prix and its inaugural event. I want to cover a little bit of the European Open because that's kind of a big deal over there in case you guys are not aware of that. I'm also going to cover a little bit of kata-related news for some of you kata enthusiasts out there. And unfortunately, I say some. (laughs) But first things first, I want to talk about an opportunity I had to teach. Really, this was probably about three weeks ago, three or four weeks ago. But I meant to cover it in my last episode, and I didn't. So as many of you guys know, I am a member of Ybor City Jiu-Jitsu Club, which also has a judo class. And I took over the Wednesday class for one class, which which was nice because this was probably... Goodness, I would say the first time in about eight or nine years that I taught an adult class because every every time I've had an opportunity to take over a class, it's so it's always been a kids class. But this time it was adults, and it was a it was a really fun experience. I, I really enjoyed it. They, there was probably about maybe eight or nine adults total, so they were all very enthusiastic, and I was very proud of their effort. We covered. Uh, I, I wanted to cover Yoko Tomonagi when. When Judo Joe had asked me to take over the class because he was going to be out, I, I had an opportunity to really plan for a lesson. And I, I was really motivated to teach uh, Yoko Tomonagi because I think it's a great throw for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu students because most of the people that come to the Judo class are Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu students first. So I wanted to teach him something a little bit different, just from a standard grip, you know, nothing nothing funky at all, but I wanted to teach him Yoko Tomonagi because I really believe that's a technique that if you fail, you're really in a decent position to defend on the ground. And you know, most of these students have been really giving a great effort over the past few years at this judo club. Now, I don't, I don't, um, I have not been a part of this club for for that nearly that long, not even close. But I do know my former judo instructor was the one that started the judo program at this club before he passed, and he's take he said he's given the he had given the reins over to judo Joe, uh, you know, quite a while ago, and and so Joe's been the one that's been running that class, and and I show up, you know, when I can at an assistant capacity, but. It's really encouraging to see these jujitsu students really take to judo and, and and really be committed to it for for the amount of time that we have, which really isn't very many classes during the week. But that's okay, as long as we can get them away from fifty butt scooting. That's that's always a good thing in my mind. So, I was very honored by their effort. I, I really was. In you know, teaching kids can be a lot of fun and can, it can be very rewarding in its own right. But for me. Teaching these adults, seeing them really try, seeing them do what I ask without any back talk or, or, or ridiculous questions, it was really a great experience. I, you know, I said at the end of the class, I, I said I was honored by their effort, and I, I really felt that way. It was, it was a, again, like I said, it had been so long since I taught any adults, apart from you know helping the guy, a, a person here and there doing, 
during class or whatever the case may be. But as an actual class, everybody really gave gave a solid effort. So with that being said, I have a question for all of you, and I don't know... I, I encountered a situation in this class. It wasn't a, a really bad situation per se. I, I just didn't know what to do, or what the pro, uh, what the proper protocol is. So someone who is higher ranked than me happened to show up at the club, and he's a regular at this club. But it was one of those situations where I was asked to to do the class, and I'd encountered this situation before several months prior where I had planned on doing a lesson. And he happened to show up late. And when he showed up, I I deferred the class to him. And he taught the class. He did a great job. But this time around, I, I really prepared an outline in my mind on how I wanted to run the class. And, and kind of a similar situation happened. He kind of he came in a couple minutes late, which is fine. I'm not, I'm not throwing that out there to, to, for a dig or anything. But this time around, I decided that I was not going to defer. But it did make me wonder at the end of class, what is the proper protocol in judo? I, I'm I'm genuinely asking because I, I really don't know. I'm a I'm a Nidan and I believe this person is a is a Sandan or or heck, maybe he's a Yodan. I'm really not sure. He he's somebody that, that comes to the club most of the time on, on those Wednesday nights, but but sometimes I, I it's my understanding he may not have shown up for a couple of weeks, which is why Joe had asked me to do the class. So I and I know he doesn't listen to this podcast, and I'm not saying anything negative about him at all. I just was curious. In that situation, on that particular day, I decided to not defer the class to him. And I, I don't know if I was in the right or in the wrong. It's just one of those situations I've never experienced. So if anybody out there has an opinion on that, please share it with me. And I'll, I would love to read your response on the my next episode of the podcast. So Feel free to write me, show at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I've got breaking news. Now, this bit of breaking news is in regards to the Montreal Grand Prix, the inaugural Montreal Grand Prix, where Teddy Renner has announced that he's going to show up at this event. I first got wind of this from his Instagram account where he says, Hello, everyone. Many of you sent me messages to ask when I'm going to come back to compete. I have the answer. Now, please keep in mind, I used uh, uh, Google Translate to translate his French because I don't speak French at all. So I'm going to take liberty with of translating how Google Translator uh, translated his French because some of the, the English doesn't really make sense. So here it goes. With the coaches, we made the decision to participate in the Montreal Grand Prix in Canada. I am very happy. I was eager to begin and I have been very anxious. 18 months is a very long time for me to not compete. Yeah, no kidding. I miss competing, the sensations, the adrenaline, and competing at the highest levels of judo. This is a new step um, on my road to Tokyo 2020 as we need the Olympic points to qualify. Yeah, no kidding, Teddy. You know, I I gotta say, I'm stunned that it's taken this long for him. I mean, the last time he competed and won was back in 2017 in November when he won his 10th world championship in Marrakesh. Now, in terms of points in world ranking, he's really low on the list for the plus 100 kilo division. 
uh, which is now headed uh, with, with the number one now is Gurum Tushishvili. And, you know, there has been several instances this year alone. There were supposed to be two Grand Prix that he was going to show up in, and he didn't show up because he, he um, I hate to say allegedly had an injury. And I say allegedly because I've seen video of him doing Rondori and, and video of him training, and he looked pretty sharp to me. And I'm not suggesting that he's ducking competition. But it seems obvious to me that they are really taking care of his body uh, as he makes his way to Tokyo. And it would almost seem that any little twinge, any little pinch, anything that is just out of uh, where he's not 100%, they're going to pull him out of the competition. So with that being said, it would not shock me one bit if he didn't show up to the Montreal Grand Prix. You know, and like the old saying goes, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. So until he actually steps on the mat, I'm taking a I'll believe it when I see it approach. But since this is Teddy Renner, the greatest competitive judoka of all time, at least on the IJF World Tour, this is big news. And since I plan on releasing this episode prior to the Montreal Grand Prix, which is taking place on the weekend of July 5th, I figured that many of you would be interested in, in watching Teddy Renner's return over that weekend. Now, speaking of Grand Prix events, I have an interesting bit of information and news uh, coming from Judo Inside, which I've said it before and I say it again. If you're not reading JudoInside.com, what the hell's the matter with you? So I caught this article about a week ago. Apparently, the Grand Prix in The Hague, Netherlands, has been canceled. So according to the article on JudoInside.com, it states, The IGF have pulled back the license for the Grand Prix in The Hague due to expected financial losses for both contracted editions in 2019 and 2020. A severe loss for the Dutch Judo Association, where in 2017, the City Council of The Hague announced the top event in the World Tour for a period of four years. The Grand Prix was scheduled from November 15th through 17th. The, Ju the Dutch Judo Association president stated, It's sad to conclude that the financial challenge is simply too big. The costs per edition are approximately €950,000, and those are not covered in full. The Grand Prix doesn't fit the subsidy policy of the Ministry of Sports. Yeah, so with that said, I would venture to guess that that would mean the Dutch Judo Association would have to come up with those funds in its entirety and they simply just don't have that kind of cash. And I don't know what kind of advertising revenue or ticket sale revenues that these Grand Prix events generate, but I, I can't believe it comes anywhere close to a major sport in the United States like the National Football League. The article continues, uh, for 2019, the Grand Prix of Montreal was already added to agenda, which I just talked about. Also, the Grand Prix in Tel Aviv had its inaugural edition this year. In total, there are now nine Grand Prix events. One less than 2019 are also Cancun, which doesn't have a Grand Prix anymore. See, I didn't know that. I wonder if a similar situation happened in Mexico because I was, in the back of my mind, I was looking forward to, to watching that Grand Prix event and, and now it's gone. However, uh, continuing on, previously the Grand Slam of Brasilia was added to the World Tour in 2019 as well. So in number, in terms of number of events, it's still in balance. That, that's uh, per the JudoInside.com article. So 
The Grand Prix in The Hague and the Grand Prix in Cancun are no longer. Which, you know, again, it would have been nice to keep the one in Cancun because for our athletes on this side of the world, it's probably a lot easier to travel to. I won't go as far as saying it was cheaper, but certainly it's got to be easier being able to travel to a major event within uh, uh, your, your time zone or maybe one or two hours away. So if anybody out there knows how the financing for these kind of events take place, shoot me an email and let me know because I, I'd be interested to learn more about that. All right, so moving along, it's time for my favorite segment of the Judo Chop Suey podcast. What time is it? Listener reaction. All right, so just some fair warning. Just want to let you all know that this is going to be a longer than usual segment for listener reaction because I, I got some pretty good email. Uh, Some pretty good questions, and I want to cover them in depth. So the first thing that I want to talk about is not necessarily a question that I received. Well, it was a question, but they had asked me to uh, read off a a particular news item that may be of interest for you kata enthusiasts out there. Now listen, Christian, that's right, that's right, I am talking to you. Do not push the fast forward button on your player right there, alright? Don't do it. Do me a favor, don't do it. Same with everybody else out there that are not kata enthusiasts. You're going to want to listen to this piece of news that comes from the USA Judo, Judo Senior National Championships. And I'd like to add that once again, I am doing the work that USA Judo refuses to do. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right. On to the bit of news item that I wanted to cover. I received a couple of Facebook messages about this happening that I I did not this this bit of news that I was not aware of because well you know nobody announced it so I would like to extend my congratulations to sensei Jeff Junta and sensei Heiko Rommelman for winning their 17th USA Judo Senior National Kata Championship and I'm told that they are going to compete at the World Kata Championships this year representing the United States of America now, as I understand it, they performed Kime no Kata, Juno Kata, and Goshen Jitsu at the national championships this year, placing first in all three Kata and first in men's overall, which I said before, this is their 17th year in a row that they have done this. And I don't want to hear anything from the Boo Birds saying anything about how Kata is a dance and stuff. Look, after having to teach myself Nage no Kata to earned my Nidan, that was one of the hard, that it was, I've said it before, teaching myself Nage no Kata was by far the hardest endeavor I have ever tried to strive for in Judo ever. Toughest thing I ever had to do by far, What? not even close to anything else. Now when I say hardest, I'm not talking about physical in the terms of, because I know obviously all, all you athletes out there work very hard to prepare for tournaments and to win and and things like that. I'm talking about in terms of acquiring acquiring a skill or learning something. Learning kata was by far the hardest thing I ever did. So to be the very best in the country for 17 years running, mastering three kata, I mean, that is just unprecedented to me. So again, I would like to extend my congratulations. That's just that that's unbelievable. And and you guys deserve all the credit in the world. You guys deserve all the recognition that I can possibly give on this hideous podcast. 
Now, again, I would like to profile some of the accomplishments that Sensei Jeff and Sensei Haiko have accomplished uh, together. Now, this comes by way of the anonymous uh, emailer, actually, actually Facebook Messenger, but it's all the same. It goes, uh, they have competed at Miss Fukuda's Invitational Kata Championship eight times, winning the overall five times. They have won the overall at the Canadian Open Masters Judo Championship three times. They have competed at the Ontario Open twice, winning two golds in 2004 and winning three goals, golds in 2014. Sensei Heiko and Sensei Jeff competed in the 2005 World Masters Championships uh, in Canada, winning a bronze, a silver, and a gold. They have represented the United States at seven Pan Am championships, earning medals in 2001, 2003, 2004, 2005, 2007, 2008, and most recently in 2018 in San Jose, Costa Rica, taking two gold medals. They've medaled in all of those uh, previous events. I, I There's so many accomplishments here that I, I can't really possibly read them all. So anonymous emailer, if, you, if you're listening to this, and I'm sure you are, don't uh, please don't take any offense for me to uh, uh, cutting through a lot of what you wrote because I I can't read the whole thing but I hope that I have done a good enough job to properly recognize the accomplishments of these two gentlemen and these two sensei. All right, so moving along, I've got an email from one of my female listeners out there. Now there were some email exchanges going back and forth about book recommendations and stuff, but uh, the general gist of this email goes: I'm a new listener and enjoy working back through the podcasts. Now I've said it before, and I say it again: if you if you're working your way back to the beginning of this thing, well, God bless you because those early episodes were rough. All right, moving along. For your Mount Rushmore, Rusty Kanokogi, of course. What would women's competition judo be without her sacrifice for the great sport? Please don't forget about women, players, and listeners. I know you discuss women competition results, but once in a while throw out a well-known coach, a Marty Malloy and her work in 2024, a well-known ref, a coach, etc., etc. Down with the patriarchy. I'm kidding. She did not write that. <laughs> that would have been awesome if she did, though. All right, so I'm going to get this out of the way now. Um, I am going to have a female guest on this podcast in the future. And that guest is going to be Dr. Anne Maria DeMars. Now, she doesn't actually know that yet, but I'm going to be calling, I'm going to be talking to her later on today, uh, today, as in the day of the recording of this episode. So I'm going to get the ball rolling on that. There, you see, ask and you shall receive. So yeah, I don't I don't have a date as to when I'll bring her on. She's a very busy lady traveling all over the place. Maybe I can set something up when we're out in JudoCon. I would prefer to do an interview with her prior to that. So uh and Maria, if you're listening and I'm sure you are, uh I'll we'll we'll be we'll get this uh nailed down and find a time that where we can talk and, and and have you on as a guest on my podcast. I'm still waiting for our episode to be released on your podcast. So, and it's not just me. It's all, uh, all 12 of my fans. So, <laughs> all right, moving along. The last email I want to read is not really an email, but a face, uh, not a Facebook, uh, a Reddit, uh, question that I received. So the question goes, Hey Dave, any chance of doing a judo chop suey episode on something like attacking for beginners or things like this, which could be useful for beginners? The remark you made above is the kind of thing that would be very useful for me and to others, I think. 
And he goes to say, I must admit, I have not yet looked through a list of your episodes to see if you've already done that. So this was a post response that I I, I had made on a thread about uh, a fellow on Reddit had posted a picture of himself and uh, another brown belt doing judo. Um, Let's see. So basically, it was one of those posts where, you know, he put a picture of himself and says he's having a great time doing judo and Brazilian jiu-jitsu, which is great. I, I love seeing... Uh, ad- adults start judo and I love seeing uh, adults share their experience in judo the positive experiences I love seeing this this is this is the good that I'm talking about or that I have talked about when it comes to adults in judo so in response to his post I had made a couple of suggestions based on the photo because it was one of those left versus right situations and he 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 was looking down at, at, at his opponent's feet he had way too much space between himself and his training partner during this Rondori session uh there was a lot of there, there's a few other things that I gleaned from the photo but I only I only kept at the three suggestions but to answer the specific question this is something that I I, I talk about when I when I actually help other people at my club uh doing judo or, or learning principles and stuff when it comes to adults it, it's really great I, I talked about this earlier before but you know teaching adults is great because you could you could talk to them at a different level and talk about principles that would just fly way over the head of a you know an eight-year-old or nine-year-old kid you know and I'm pretty sure the fellow that wrote to me is a little bit older than me so this this may be helpful I tell a lot of adult beginners this one you've you've got to become very comfortable with taking falls and it's not something you should resist doing unless you've got an injury well if you have an injury that you're protecting you probably as a beginner you probably shouldn't even be doing rondori period and as older adults i think the most important thing to remember is to recognize and respect your age you simply cannot hold yourself to the same standard that you might have held your 15-year-old self or your 25-year-old self or your 35-year-old self. You can't you can't hold yourself to those standards. And I I stopped trying to hold myself to those standards a long time ago and and practice in both judo and Brazilian jiu-jitsu has been very good for me as a result. Now, I got to tell you again. You know, I got to stop talking about injuries because every time I talk about injuries, I I end up getting worse and right now I'm dealing with one of the worst back spasms in my life. I said two weeks ago that, oh yeah, I can do I can do judo with back spasms. Uh, not this one. No, uh, no way. I had a muscle spasm and then it went away for a couple of days and now my whole back is seized. Where was I going with that? Oh yeah, what, what, what I was really getting to is that you at, at your age, at our advanced ages, you've got to take care of your body. You've got to understand your limitations and just accept it. Here and, and let me give let me give you a, a a really good example. You you've got to find your own victories. If you're having trouble in Rondori, you've got to find your own victories and and really hold on to those things. Personal victories. And what I mean by that is is for example, let's say I'm doing Rondori with a mid twenties competitor who's a Sandan and he's a lefty. And he simply just got better judo than I do. I mean, let's just use that an example. And there's a real person that I'm thinking about, except he's not he's not mid-20s. But you get the idea. Simply put, he's younger and better. Now, in those situations, 
Let's say that I'm doing Rondori and I managed to come in for an attack and like Ochigari and I managed to hook that leg and, and make him stumble backwards. Now, I may not have gotten that throw, but for me at my age, uh, being smaller, I'm going to take that as a win. And I don't mean win as in there's winners and losers in Rondori, but I'm going to take that as a success. And like I suggested before, you can't hold these standards to your own standards. So for, for what may be a standard and a win for you may not be a win uh, or a win for me might not be a win for you. So if you are more of a beginner and you're going against somebody who's younger and faster, perhaps getting through the round and not being stiff at all, but but taking every single fall, that, that might be a victory for you. That might be a win. Now to get back on track and to actually answer your question, this is what I'll say. And this is what I tell other older adults when doing judo. Even when I'm doing randori with them and, and I, I see things. The biggest thing as we're getting older is that you have to close the gap between yourself and your training partner. And I even say the same thing to some of my uh, much younger students in in the judo club when we're doing randori. I, I, I tell them, listen. If I can see your feet, I don't care if you're 20 years younger than me, you're not going to close that distance fast enough to, to be able to throw me. Now, yes, if we're talking about state and, and, and national level champions, they uh, people who are black belts and experienced, yeah, they can close that gap and throw me. That, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the people learning judo. And when I, when I do judo and when I teach judo, I like being close because it's far more efficient to me. Now, I always tell people, when you're close, the risk of you being thrown is increased, and, and that's for sure. But, there, but the chances of you throwing me are also increased. You, so when it comes to beginners and older adults, when doing Rondor, you got to close that distance. If you can see their feet on your periphery, you are not going to explode into that space and, and get a throw. You're, you're gonna, you have to close the distance somehow. That's where, that's where, Foot sweeps come in handy because when you start doing some foot sweeps or or like like coach Igaki or, or something along those lines, you start getting closer and you start making the person react. And, and that's another principle. When you're doing Rondori and you're trying to improve your judo, you want to be the person acting and not the person reacting. If you are constantly reacting to what the other person is doing, you're going to get thrown eventually. So constantly create action uh, and be a lot closer during Rondori. When I mean close, I'm talking about like hip to hip practically, you know, especially if you're a lefty versus righty, you, that space should only be a, a few inches. And that's where, that's where you're fighting, uh, not fighting, practicing. And if you're caught, take the fall, because when you take the fall, that is the tapping out of, of, of Rondori, basically. It's foolish to resist the, the, the arm lock. When your arm's extended, it's stupid to not tap out. And in my opinion, if you're doing Rondori, it's stupid to not take the fall. Unless you're training for something specific like an upcoming tournament and you're working on things and strategies and, and, and that requires you not just taking falls, then, then that, that's a whole different story. I'm just talking about your regular, I don't know, Wednesday night Rondori at the club. Doing whatever it takes to avoid those throws, I think, is stupid. Because for me, and at least in my experience, when I was taking those falls, what was happening is that my body was learning 
without being instructed, without reading in a book, my body was learning the things that I was doing to cause me to be thrown. So I get thrown, I get up, and I go right back at it again. Get thrown, get up, go right back at it again. I, I've said this before that when I first joined my, my, my sensei's club, like the one that I spent the most amount of time in, I got thrown for seven months in a row. I did not get one single throw on anybody during Rondori, not even close. And then one day it all clicked. And I just happen to have the video camera rolling when it clicked. And sometimes I go back and watch that thing. And it's, it's really awesome to see when, when it happens to you. And it's awesome to see when it happens to other people. When, when judo finally starts clicking, it's, it's pretty awesome. And, and the video that I happen to have, I ended up throwing my training partner in Rondori. And, and I had never done that before. But it took me months of, of, of getting thrown before my body started learning how to move in, in a proper way. So being postured, not being bent over, uh, not being distant, you know, not stiffening your arms and moving is, is, is critical. Now, as an, as an older adult, I would also advise that if you're going against somebody that's doing a lot of moving, sometimes being still and allowing them to put themselves in a position to be thrown is a very effective and efficient way to get a throw on somebody. And to give you a good example of this, watch Nage no Kata and look at the Uchi Mada uh, portion of the Kata. The principle that I'm talking about can be seen in that Kata where you're circling. And on the third movement, the Tori does not make the same movement as he did in the other previous two iterations. Now, I said he, it could be a she. Yes, I get it. I know, down with the patriarchy and stuff. I'm, I'm kidding, but you know what I mean. Sometimes somebody who is younger and faster may move themselves into positions trying to get you to throw or trying to throw you that they move themselves into positions where you can execute a technique. So I hope I've given you something to think about a little bit. You know, of course, it, I'm not going to be, I'm not trying to be critical here, but there's a lot of instructors out there that teach judo uh, to adults the same way that they teach kids and you you got to teach adults differently and if you want to get an understanding of this principle that i'm talking about is just letting the other person do the work well work on nage no kata do certain drills that that imitate the movements you know one one thing that i'm a big proponent of is is moving uchikomi but not moving just in a straight line i mean moving around and and trying to find those angles of attack and sometimes those angles of attack show up when you're creating them. And sometimes they show up when you're just being a little bit patient and letting the other person do the work. Yakusoku Gaiko is also a great exercise for this, which is commonly referred to as French Rondori. It's just that at a lot of clubs that I've been, it, it's you, you do your warm-ups, you do your drilling technique, and you, you do some Nagewaza on a crash pad, and boom, it's time to Rondori. And, and nobody... That gap between just Nagewaza and, and Rondori, uh, a lot of times that gap is not addressed at a lot of the clubs that I have been at and been a part of. And it's important to bridge that gap for adults, maybe not necessarily for kids, but for adults. Adults need that gap. And I just think that instructors could do a better job. You know, instructors that don't do that, they could do a better job of in, of of teaching ways to bridge that gap because an adult is going to really get a lot of benefit out of that, in my opinion. 
All right, so that's going to be it for listener reaction. I told you it was going to be a long one. Now, moving along, there's something I want to get off my chest. And just a word of warning, um, Oast Nation, you're not going to like some of this. And it's nothing, it doesn't have anything to do with with me not liking Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I love Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I train it probably more than I do Judo these days, quite frankly. But I want to talk about something as to why us judo guys, us judoka, may sometimes take issue with Brazilian jiu-jitsu from time to time. And maybe not Brazilian jiu-jitsu as a sport, but the maybe constant media hype surrounding Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So check this. Over the past three weeks, finally for the first time in my life, I have watched John Wick and John Wick 2. Now, John Wick is like the ultimate guy movie to me. And if you haven't seen it yet, I'm going to spoil it. It's real simple. It's like the ultimate guy movie because John Wick's wife dies. He gets a puppy. Bad guys come into his house. They break in. They beat him up. They kill his puppy. And they steal his nice car. And then John Wick, uh, in retaliation, kills everyone. The end. No character arc, no sentimental moments, none of that crap. It's it's like the perfect guy movie. Straight to the point, you've got this secret organization that uses these gold coins. They don't bother to explain it. It doesn't matter. And, and on top of everything else, they reference Baba Yaga, which to me, any movie that references, that references Baba Yaga is awesome. Even if, they're, even if their reference is historically incorrect, it doesn't matter. I love the name Baba Yaga. In fact, when the kids move out of the house, I'm going to get a cat and I'm going to name it Baba Yaga. Anyway, moving along. What was I going to what was I going with that? Oh yeah, okay. So, John Wick, it is the ultimate representation when it comes to the fight scenes of judo. It shows off judo in all of its glory. Cuz in these movies, if he's not shooting somebody in the face, he's throwing somebody to the ground. And if he's not throwing somebody to the ground, he's shooting somebody in the face. It's fantastic. I mean, it's just just the bloodlust is is unbelievable to me. But here's here's my exception. If I do a Google search for Keanu Reeves, John Wick and training, do you know what comes up? A bunch of articles a bunch of articles saying John Wick training Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, John Wick training with the Machado brothers. That's f- up man let me tell you John Wick I mean Keanu Reeves is doing judo in those movies he's not doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu and yes did he train with the Machado brothers of course he did but what was he doing he was training judo it wasn't Brazilian jiu-jitsu I mean put it this way claiming Brazilian jiu-jitsu in these John Wick movies is the equivalent of me trying to get a scholarship from the United Negro College Fund for having 7% of my DNA coming from the Democratic Republic of Congo. And that is true, by the way. But you do get my point? When you look at me, what do you see? A very handsome, Hispanic, middle-aged man. And when you watch John Wick, what do you see? It's all judo. Don't give me this Brazilian jiu-jitsu bull. Now, it's my understanding that a fellow by the name of Monty Collier and his sons, Nick and Cy, they are part of 8711 Action Studios. I've talked about them uh, quite a number of times in the past. They sponsored the podcast a couple of years ago. And it's my understanding that that uh, Monty Collier actually taught Keanu Reeves how to do Uchimata because he, they were having trouble with him doing Uchimata and they needed to bring in somebody on set. So they they, they used uh, Mr. Collier to help teach Keanu Reeves uh, 
uh, Uchimata, and apparently he does it very well in John Wick 3, which I have not watched yet. But give me a break. There's a teeny bit amount of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu that was recognizable in John Wick 2. I mean, that that's like me showing up to a judo club uh, and teaching spider guard and saying, oh, yeah, 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 I, I learned that in judo. No, it's not true. Now, of course, with this diatribe, I'm half joking. But of course, I'm, on the other side of it, I'm half serious too. I mean, this, this kind of goes back all the way to UFC 1. And I can understand, you know, 25, 27 years ago when... Hoist Gracie won the first UFC, and he was claiming he won it with Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. Yet, if you actually watch those matches, there isn't anything that Hoist Gracie did that, in my opinion, was uniquely Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. It's all Judo. Just what? Just because you do a triangle from your back, that's not in Judo? Are you kidding me? So anyway, that's it for my little rant. I I just wanted to get that off my chest because I recently watched John Wick 2 and I was curious about, gosh, who trained uh, Keanu Reeves all this judo? And and here we have the... We, here we have magazines like Jiu-Jitsu Times and BJJEE claiming that it's all Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And it's not. It's not. That's not fair. Now, maybe the Machado brothers are all excellent judoka. I really don't know their history, but but, but give me a break. It's not, it's not Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu here. It's judo. All right. Uh, never mind that. So I'm going to move along here. Oh, before I do that, I just wanted to point out one little thing unrelated to my, my previous rant. I just watched Shazam. <laughs> What a great movie. I highly recommend. If DC Comics can put out good movies like that, they they have a pretty bright future because tell you what, some of the other stuff that I've watched, I ha- I still haven't even watched Justice League. I've tried. It's it's really terrible. I I I can't, I can't even finish the movie. I have I haven't I don't even know how it ends. I don't even know who they fight. All right, anyway. I want to bring your attention to an application that I have been using on my phone over the past couple of days. I was made aware of this maybe about four or five days ago, and I've been checking it out. And I wanted to pass along this information in case you guys uh, find any benefit from it. It's an application called Maroon, M-A-R-U-N-E, and I believe it's available for well, I can certainly speak for Android, but uh, I believe it's available for for, for uh, iPhones as well. Now, just to put this out there, I am not being paid for this. I, this is not an advertising spot per se, but just, just consider this as a informational spot that may help you with your training. So this app is pretty neat. It allows you to keep track of your your training activity and where you trained and what you specifically trained with. And the reason why I am bringing this to your attention is because I this application was originally just for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, but the owner of the application has recently added Judo techniques. So this is basically a training log instead of, if you're the type of person that likes to write things down, what you did, what you worked on, uh, where you were at, uh, you can use this app, and now it includes judo techniques, and I thought that was really neat. So I, I've been checking this out, and it, it's 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 nice. It's got um, well, it keeps track of you know seminars you've been to, training camps you've been to, um, the 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 date and time where you trained, your instructor's name, whether it was Brazilian Jiu Jitsu or judo, um. It also helps you keep track of your belt promotions, um, your last weight, your competition results, and you can even add your own photos and, and tag your friends in this. So this this application is intended to be kind of a social media application where you can 
share this stuff with your friends that are also using Maroon. And one of the neat features about this, and I'm just discovering this right now, actually, <laughs> the application offers specific coupon codes for certain vendors out there. I'm looking at uh, a coupon for, you can earn a coupon for 15% off of Takedown Soap, a 15% coupon for Haybrock Sports. Now, it looks like you have to, maybe you have to unlock the coupon or something, 10% uh, off of Cocoa Elite products. So yeah, I, I would suggest you guys ch check it out if you like to keep track of your, your notes and your training uh, progress and things like that. I have personally not been one to do that over the years. I, I mean, I, I would do it if I was lifting weights, but but you, you, you know what? This, this is an application that can become very useful out there for people who need to keep track of their progress for promotions, at least with regards to judo, because sometimes... That promotion paperwork can get lost or if it's been years since your last promotion, you, you might have done competitions or attended camps that you, you simply can't remember them all because you're really busy. And this this is the type of tool that can come really in handy, especially if you, you because it does have specific sections to to add for training camps or seminars that you attend. All of those those type of things can can uh, earn you points in judo, at least in some in some federations around the world. It can. Now, years ago, when I joined uh, USA Judo, judo they actually sent me this kind of a thing, except in a logbook that I could keep track of everything that I have done. But th this app's pretty neat. I, I would recommend if you're the type of person that likes to write things down and and, and do so for memory retention or just keep track of your progress, this is great. And, and again, I'm not being a paid shill here. This is the fellow who uh, who put this together is, is not paying me for this. I just figured I'd share this with all of you in case uh, you find of interest. There's also something else that I want to cover that is... Um, iPhone and Android app related, but but not really specific to any training. Um, the podcast is now on Spotify. Now, I can't believe that I have overlooked this application to share my podcast feed to, but apparently it's it's the second most popular uh, podcast platform next to you know, next to iTunes. So I didn't know that. I just found this out. Uh, really just a, a week or two ago I, I I've talked to people um at my club where they're, they're they're still finding out that I have a podcast and that it's it's uh, when it comes to judo it's kind of popular and a few of them have asked have asked are, are you on Spotify and I'm like well well no I probably have to pay to be on Spotify but no apparently not so uh for any of you that like to use Spotify and and you're using Spotify for all of your your, your podcast listening to and listening to music and stuff like that. You can, you can, you can find me on there as well. Now, getting back to the IJF World Tour, I wanted to bring up something. I'm going to talk about the European Open in just a bit, but I wanted to bring up something that may be of interest to all of you. Uh, Marius Wieser, and, and by the way, I've been getting that that name wrong the entire time, so I apologize. Um Mr. Marius Wieser, the president of the IJF, is planning to host another one of his Twitter Q&As ahead of the Budapest Grand Prix, which is taking place in July 12th through 14th, which is immediately following up the Montreal Grand Prix. Now, I am planning on asking a very poignant question to Mr. Wieser. And I'm not going to give it away here. You're just going to have to follow the Twitter Q&A. But I am very interested in his response. And it's going to piggyback off of something that he mentioned in his last Q&A. 
So for all of you out there that want to ask Mr. Vizer about whether leg grabs are coming back in judo, you go right ahead. I'm sure he loves those questions. I want to cover the European Open that took place over the weekend of June 22nd all the way to the 25th. Now, the European Open is not something that I typically cover, but you know what? This was a huge event attended by many of uh, of the IJF stars on the world tour. And I'd like to start off with Guram Tushishvili, who was amazing. And I watched his final match against Inal Tasoev of Russia. And what a lively match that was. I highly suggest, if you haven't seen it yet, go, go ahead and go on YouTube. I know it's there because I, I, I've watched it a couple times already. Now, Tasov of Russia threw Tushishvili with a huge, uh, I guess what I would call Nidan Kosodogari. And I tell you, he launched him in the air. And it's amazing to me that Tushishvili managed to turn himself uh, to his side. Because at that first camera angle, I thought that was a pawn for sure. Now, after he got thrown, he uh, Tushishvili caught his bearings a little bit. And and he really went on the offensive and threw uh Tasov with a beautiful uh, Uchimata with the with the belt grip uh, the the belt grip around the back. It was really beautiful, perfect, no doubt about it. Slammed the right on his back. Just a fantastic overall match to cap a fantastic day for Tushishvili. So what I'm going to do here is I'm going to cover the athletes that I really love watching first, and then I'll get to the rest of the results. So. Kicking things off, when I think European judo, I think of women's judo. And when I think of women's judo, I think of none other than Majlinda Kelmendi, who took first in her division. And she defeated Natalia Kuzutina of Russia. She had to do it in golden score, and she ended up probably in about three or four minutes into golden score getting a wazari on what looked to be a Koshi Garuma, or, or perhaps it was just Ukigoshi with her arm around the neck. And um, I look, I, I say that, I make that distinction because I know Koshi Garuma is not just Ogoshi with the arm around the neck. A lot of people teach it that way. I know that is not correct. So congratulations to Majlinda Kelmendi. But you know what? As great a victory as that was for her, none of this matters until she faces Uta Abe in the World Championships. That's kind of how I feel about Kelmendi this year. And especially, well, she was out last year with an injury. But um, I think if you were to talk to most people that follow the IGF World Tour, that if you ask them, what match do you want to see at the World Championships? Many of them would say uh, Uta Abe and Majlinda Kalmendi in a final. That, that, would be, that would be one of my dream matchups going into the World Championships this year. Now moving on to another person I always keep an eye out for, Clarisse Abegnenu of France. She took first place, defeating Alice uh, Schlesinger of, of Great Britain. Wow, Great Britain making it to a final. That's fantastic. I know I've been saying it over the past year or so that the, the ladies team for Great Britain, I, I expect big things out of them in the world championships and, and heading into Tokyo uh, uh, next year, the Olympics. So that's that's good for them. I, I Certainly, um, well, I won't go as far as saying that I would root for Great Britain over the United States, but certainly a, a team that I'm always looking out for, uh, or a group of individuals as a team that I'm always looking out for is Great Britain, and that goes for Canada as well. So, but in this division, Clarissa Begnenu, that's no surprise there. Now, I could not actually watch this match on YouTube because the feed 
Just so, just uh, shows the scoreboard. I guess they had an issue with broadcasting rights, whatever the case may be, for the uh, for the live feed of the European Judo Channel. I, I don't understand what went on. All I saw was a scoreboard, and I could hear a lot of cheering and stuff. But uh, Clarice ended up winning by Ipon at some point in the match. <laughs> Can't tell you how she did it, but I'm sure it was very impressive. Now, I was a little surprised to to, to not see Tina Thurston Jack on, on the competition sheet at all. I, I don't know if she's injured, but uh, I, I fully expected her to be at this tournament, and, and she was not there for whatever reason. She last competed in Baku a couple of months ago, so I, I don't know what's up. If, if anybody knows what's going on with her, please let me know. So continuing on, when it comes to two competitors that I never, uh, that I'm always keeping an eye out for, in the under 48 kilo division, it's no surprise Daria Bilodid defeated Irina Dolgova of Russia. Now, once again, video of this match is pretty scarce, but I did manage to see a highlight film, and it would appear that Bilodid won uh, won her match by Wazari via Osai Komi. I'm guessing she got the 10 count or, or, or something along those lines. I, I really, it was such a quick highlight film that I, I didn't really even see it. I was not able to watch this live. So there has been some matches I've been able to watch, but I'm really only commenting on the finals. And some of those videos are hard to come by. The Tushishvili final was put up by somebody else, uh, which was commentated in another language that I could not understand, but. But I'm still going to cover it because these some of these names are really important heading into the world championships. Now going back to the men's side in the under 66 kilo division. It was won by Georgi uh, Zantaria of the Ukraine who defeated Matteo Medvez of Italy with a huge Uchimata. I mean so huge that I could hear Medvez's uh, body hit the mat. I mean it was, it was a huge throw. And, and the feed that I saw... <laughs> The feed that I saw, it, I, I believe they were Greek commentators because as soon as uh, Zantaria made his move, the guy went, Opa! <laughs> I love it. That was awesome. All right, so quickly, I want to cover some of the other winners in the other divisions. Uh, the under 60 kilo uh, uh, division went to uh, Lukumi uh, Chikvimiani of Georgia, who defeated Francisco Garagos of Spain. Let's see, I already covered the under 66 kilo division. The under 73 kilo division was won by uh, Tommy Masias of Sweden, who defeated Rustam Orzhov of, of Azerbaijan. The under 81 kilo division was won by Matthias Kasse of Belgium, who defeated uh, Ivayalo uh, Ivanov of Bulgaria. The under 90 kilo division was won by Mikhail uh, Ozerler of Turkey, who defeated Lee uh, Kokmen of Israel. The under 100 kilo division was won by Ar Arman Adamian of Russia, who defeated Varlan Lipertiliani of Georgia. And I already covered the plus 100 kilo division with uh, Tushishvili with his phenomenal win. All right. All right. So let's see. I covered the under 48s. I covered the under 52s. How about the under 57 kilo division, was, which was won by Daria Mezhetskaya of Russia, who defeated Nora uh, Jakova of Kosovo. I already covered the under 63 kilo division, so on to the under 70 kilo division, which was won by Margot Pinot of France, who defeated San Van Dijk of the Netherlands. In the under 78 kilo division, you had Clara Apotekar of Slovenia defeating Jusisi uh, uh, Steenhuis of the Netherlands. I probably butchered that name. Sorry about that. And in the plus 78 kilo division, it was won by 
Marina Slutskaya of the hometown Belarus. Minsker Belarus, because that's where the tournament was held. So the hometown hero wins it for Belarus. And she defeated Larissa Serek of Bosnia and Herzegovina. Goodness gracious, I always get that wrong. Herzegovina. So those are the results in a nutshell. I I wasn't going to get to everything because I think I'm running a little long on this episode. Longer than I anticipated, so... Which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Now, as I've mentioned before, coming up on this weekend is going to be the Montreal Grand Prix. I'm going to do my best to watch that thing as much as I can. I'm probably going to miss the last day, which is when Teddy Renner is allegedly going to make his appearance in Montreal. So I'm going to be out and about spending time with family. I'm going to Wikiwachi, which I, I've never been before. Of all the been here almost 19 years, I've never been to Wikiwachi. If you guys aren't familiar with Wikiwachi, it's like it's about an hour and a half drive north of Clearwater, Florida. And one of their main attractions is mermaids. And yes, that is not a joke. We have mermaids in Florida. And it's my understanding there is also a merman. I'm not sure if I'm really looking forward to seeing that. But it's like this natural spring area. They've got like water slides. I'm going to bring my my snorkeling gear in case I can go snorkeling and, and come across a snapping turtle. That's a lot of fun, I'm sure. So unfortunately, I'm going to probably miss that day. But I fully expect this event to be... Uh, a tremendous event. I, I know uh, uh, President Vizer is going to be in attendance. And it's my understanding that Nadia Comaneci is also going to be there. Apparently, she's a very big uh, fan of judo. And if you don't know who Nadia Comaneci is, then, well, go on Wikipedia. Because, you, you, well, if you're, if you're about my age or so, people my age group would know that. But if you're younger, you really should look it up. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for me. If you've made it this far, I appreciate you listening to the entire podcast. If you want to reach out to me and and talk about anything that you've heard on this episode, you can feel feel free to reach out to me at judochopsuishow at gmail.com. You can follow me on Instagram at LaVitaJudoka. My Instagram is awesome. You can also follow me on Twitter at LaVitaJudoka. My Twitter is not nearly as awesome, but it's getting there. I talk a lot about... Uh, local Tampa Bay Buccaneers stuff as well, uh, uh, along with judo-related items. So it's it's a, it's a, a variety of topics that I cover, but I never touch politics. You can follow the Facebook show page at, uh, you can, if you search for a Judo Chop Suey podcast on Facebook, that, that's, uh, that, that page kind of sucks. I, I'll say it right now. I, I, there's just so many, there's only so many, so much time in a day that I can commit to social media and, Instagram is my social media vehicle of choice, followed by Twitter. But I also have a regular Facebook page. You can you can search up for David Roman, and you know you could find me. And, and if you want to add me as a friend, uh, feel feel free to do so. Just uh, like I said before, if you add me as a friend on Facebook, please, at the very least, let me know that you are a listener of the podcast. Because if you don't, chances are I'll just leave you in. Uh, friend request purgatory it means I won't delete the friend request but you're just going to sit there until you write to me alright so with that I hope you have a great day I hope you have a great rest of the week train hard stay safe out there and until next time I'm out Open Gangnam Style. Uh.